Okay, uh, well, one year of um, Russia's um, spe special military um, operation. I'm not going to um, repeat um, my arguments in this week's uh, paper. It was quite interesting, actually. I'll come to the demonstration um, later on in the political report. I'm talking about Stop the War. Um, I got it. Stop the War Coalition um, demonstration. But it was quite um, pleasing how many people had already read uh, the article. Anyway, that one uh, aside, um, I suppose it is just worthwhile asking the question of why uh, Putin uh, did it. Um, I think the answer has to be uh, one, because um, he thought it would be easy. Uh, if we look at the number of troops that he committed to phase one and the drive to um, Kiev, um, that seems to be uh, the case. So he thought it would be easy. He was also, I think it's a, a fair enough um, argument, pushed or tempted uh, by some sort of trap uh, that the United States and its allies had laid to get it bogged down in some, well, what I would have viewed as an unwinnable war. But uh, again, if you read the uh, press, um, there were an awful lot of people that didn't think that the uh, Zelensky government would uh, last long. I can't say I was um, of that view. Zelensky, yes, could have been captured, could have been driven into exile. But I always thought that there was going to be stiff and, um, you know, um, prolonged uh, Ukrainian um, opposition. Um, it's also just worthwhile adding uh, that it isn't only the left that says, well, there's a back history uh, to this um, um, invasion. Just looking at uh, what uh, Stoltenberg, the um, NATO general secretary, has been saying, and he, he, he locates um, you know, the origins of um, February the 24th back to 2014. I don't think he would include the Maidan coup, uh, but he would certainly include um, taking of uh, Crimea and, um, you know, the events in uh, Donbass. From a Marxist point of view, I think it is worthwhile emphasising uh, that from our angle, it really doesn't matter. It's not decisive who invaded who. Um, you know, what we look at is the politics um, that have been pursued for a long, long time uh, before any war uh, uh, breaks out. In other words, you know, we're not going to simply just go back to 2014, let alone one year ago. We need to go way back uh, and I think we have to put uh, this war in the context of uh, a declining US imperialism, but a declining US imperialism that's determined to reboot and reestablish its hegemony. Uh, Russia is clearly um, an enemy as far as the United States is concerned, but the real, the real challenge that the United States faces, of course, isn't from Russia, uh, it's from uh, China, and we would put uh, this present war um, in that context. In other words, um, to use the famous uh, dictum from uh, Klauswitz, war is the continuation of policy or politics, uh, as um, Lenin um, added, uh, but pursued 
for a considerable time uh, before the outbreak um, um, of, of war. What I want to do um, is rather than looking at the battlefield, uh, which um, has been um, basically um, stagnant, although an awful lot of people clearly have been killed uh, on the eastern front, I just wanted to turn to look at um, the peace proposals coming uh, from China, namely uh, the 12-point uh, plan uh, that it's been put putting around. Uh, just to note, of course, that NATO, the United States, has rejected uh, this 12-point um, plan more or less out of hand. It shows you that they're not interested in negotiations uh, at the present uh, time. On the other hand, it is worthwhile noting uh, that Zelensky has actually said that he would um, welcome uh, a meeting with Z. Um, so he hasn't dismissed it uh, out of hand. Now, I don't give that any particular um, significance myself, but let's just have a quick look uh, at um, this 12-point plan. Not surprisingly, uh, it includes the principle, as far as China is concerned, of sovereignty. Uh, this matters uh, to China. Um, if you think about Tibet, uh, if you think about uh, the Uyghurs, if you think about Hong Kong, crucially at the moment, if you think about Taiwan. Uh, so China um, wants to defend uh, the UN principle of sovereignty. Um, and, and, and certainly hasn't supported uh, the Russian uh, invasion, which it would certainly view as a, a you know, a double-edged uh, sword. Um, I mean, if um, Putin and the FSB regime in Moscow had been successful uh, in the first week, two, three, four um, of the campaign, China wouldn't have been displeased. But on the other hand, um, you know, uh, this um, invasion does uh, put in jeopardy um, what it views as um, sacred, uh, and that is national sovereignty, crucially China's uh, national uh, sovereignty. They also call for the discarding of uh, the Cold War mentality. Uh, what else do we have? A ceasefire, um, definitely something that Zelensky um, isn't going to go for or NATO or the United States, but a, a ceasefire, not a withdrawal uh, of Russian uh, forces. Um, peace talks, yes. Um, humanitarian aid, um, protection of civilians and uh, prisoners of war, protect the nuclear plants, um, protect the grain uh, deliveries coming out of um, uh, Ukraine, um, save industrial supply lines, um, and uh, lastly, uh, point 12 uh, is about uh, reconstruction um, after the sort of devastation, uh, not only of, of course over the last year, uh, but over the last uh, many years, uh, really dating back uh, to 2014. So what I wanted to do really then is having sort of defined uh, war as the continuation of policy. 
just wanted to look at diplomacy and make really the exact same point that from a Marxist point of view, um, diplomacy should be viewed as the continuation of policy uh, using other stroke peaceful uh, means. And from our angle, when we look at um, the, how should we put it, the two sides uh, involved in this war, um, and we're not therefore just talking uh, about Putin, we're talking about a proxy war that's being fought, and that's openly, more and more openly uh, stated uh, uh, in the West, both in the media and in political circles. What we are doing um, is, um, uh, how should you put it, um, analyzing the class forces uh, involved. And we're not fetishizing whether uh, these classes are pursuing their aims peacefully or diplomatically. What matters is the classes uh, involved. And therefore we don't take the view uh, that you know war bad, uh, diplomacy good, uh, which was exactly uh, the sort of message that we heard those few of us uh, that went on the Stop the War Coalition anniversary demonstration in London yesterday, coming not only uh, from Jeremy Corbyn, the only MP that dared speak um, on this demonstration, uh, but also from Stop the War Coalition and social pacifist organizations such as the Morning Star CPB, uh, Counterfire, um, but a whole range uh, of different organizations are basically saying there needs to be a negotiated settlement. Uh, what we need to do is reject war. No, from a Marxist point of view, uh, what we need to do uh, is reject the class forces um, and the pursuit of their interests, either by diplomatic means or by forceful uh, means. And uh, just to make the point that from my angle, um, I, I think it's pretty indisputable uh, that Russia uh, is a capitalist uh, state. It's not a normal uh, capitalist state. Um, you know, the oligarchs uh, are wrongly named. <laughs> they don't rule. Um, Putin has made that uh, pretty damned uh, clear. Either way, the FSB, uh, Orthodox Church, Army, um, yeah, regime uh, operates ultimately uh, in the interests of uh, capital and capital uh, accumulation. And therefore, uh, yes, you need to actually concretely look at the nature of the regime, but uh, for the sake of a label, you would call it uh, a capitalist, I think, without any hesitation. As to the West, uh, you ask the question and you know uh, the answer. Uh, what we're dealing with here is the pursuit of capitalist uh, interests at the present time in a proxy uh, war, uh, perhaps tomorrow uh, in a diplomatic uh, push, uh, the day after, uh, maybe using um, other methods um, um, uh, entirely. Okay, and I also want to make the, uh, the point uh, in relationship to that um, about sanctions. Um, I mean, I'm old enough to remember uh, Tony Benn, he was the darling um, of the uh, Labour left, still looked at uh, with a great deal of affection and, and respect. And what was notable about him is that looking at any, uh, you know, international dispute, 
uh, he would raise the question of sanctions, uh, as if sanctions are cost-free uh, in terms of human lives and uh, human suffering. Nothing could be further from the truth. So if we look, look back at the origins of Stop the War Coalition, of course, it was the, from my memory at least, well, its high point was the Iraq uh, war. Um, and from my memory, I don't think these figures are precise. Uh, they can't be. Uh, but from my memory, uh, because of Western sanctions, you were dealing with something like half a million um, Iraqis uh, uh, dying. And the origins, it is worthwhile saying this, uh, the origins of modern um, sanctions, and I call it modern sanctions warfare, uh, because that's actually what it is. It's the equivalent of a modern version of uh, medieval siege uh, warfare, where you get uh, you know, uh, the population surrounded in a town or a castle, and you attempt to starve them out. Um, well, that might mean that no physical blow is struck, uh, but those inside who don't have food, who don't have proper water, may be suffering from awful diseases. Well, that's the consequence of uh, medieval uh, siege warfare. And it's also uh, the consequence of modern siege warfare but of course this is uh, done sanctions are done on you know a vastly higher uh, level and the origins of modern uh, siege warfare i.e sanctions warfare really go back uh, to world war one and the defeat of germany they were also used against germany uh, in world war ii and you think well surrounding germany in world war one well it had its uh, uh, ally in Austria-Hungary, which went right down uh, to the Mediterranean. It had its ally in the Ottoman Empire, um, which of course had possessions, not only in Europe, uh, but going right down uh, into the uh, Arab uh, uh, world. But yes, um, Britain and France, um, above all with the, uh, uh, the British Navy, the Royal Navy, um, blockaded uh, Germany when it came to the North Sea, but also tried to cut off Germany uh, from sources of oil, um, sources of manganese, which as I understand it is vital for steel production, but also cut it off from rubber, uh, which is vital when it comes to modern um, um, industry, uh, you know, motor cars, uh, for example, and we're not just talking about tires, but uh, they're pretty important. Germany learned how to make substitute, you know, um, 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 things. But I, my understanding is that they were something like six times as expensive as the rubber that uh, the British uh, plantations in uh, Malaysia, or what is now called Malaysia, uh, produced. Either way, um, what happened in World War I uh, with Germany is something like 150,000 deaths um, are attributed uh, to the sanctions uh, regime. Of course, that dwarfs in comparison to the number killed on the front. Uh, that's true. But the idea that uh, sanctions are painless and are preferable, uh, I think, is profoundly mistaken. And again, I go back uh, to the question of what class is pursuing what aims uh, in these wars? And that's the question uh, that Marxists uh, must ask them. Uh, selves. Okay. Um, interestingly, 
uh, much against the expectations of uh, Biden and um, an awful lot of other politicians, but also, uh, you know, commentators in the in the press, far from Russia being crushed uh, by the first year of uh, this sanctions uh, warfare, it's only being marginally uh, affected. And indeed, if we look, you know, in broad terms, i.e. in GDP terms, um, Russia's performing about the same as uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, the United Kingdom stands, well, is it in recession? Isn't it in recession? It's doing a little bit better or it's doing a little bit worse. But basically, uh, if we look at uh, Russia, it shrunk in the first year of uh, this war. Um, estimates vary, but roughly speaking, uh, between two and three percent. And what is not insignificant at all is that most analysts expect it actually to grow uh, in 2023. Now, of course, that's mainly uh, to do with oil and gas and the price of oil and gas. But as a result, um, what uh, Putin has been able to do is stabilize um, the ruble after its initial plunge. Yes, the, you know, the electronics and uh, motor car industry in Russia have uh, tanked, uh, but Russia has survived remarkably well um, in terms of one year uh, of war and one year of sanctions war, uh, and is predicted to not only survive well uh, in 2023, but to do okay in 2023. And of course, we all know where the oil uh, is going to. Lots of it is going to China, which of course is the world's, you know, leading manufacturer, the workshop of the world, but it's also going uh, to India uh, and other such uh, countries. But they're the big uh, buyers of uh, Russian um, um, energy. Okay, just wanted to turn, I mentioned the Stop the War demonstration uh, yesterday in London. I looked at the um, Evening Standard, which is our um, free giveaway uh, paper. I think it's owned by an oligarch. That's my memory. Of course, he's on um, the side of um, Ukraine, uh, naturally. Um, either way, they reported um, large numbers descending on central London. Uh, <laughs> it's not true, unfortunately. What you actually had is hundreds uh, turn out. Um, Overwhelmingly of my sort of age generation, uh, plenty of gray heads or bald heads, um, very few uh, young people, nobody from uh, the Socialist Party uh, in England and Wales that I could see, no big mobilization. They had quite a few stalls, but uh, no mobilization of the SWP or Communist Party of Great Britain, Marxist Leninist or George Galloway's Workers' Party. It was tiny and lots of people came up to me and commented that this is a disastrous uh, demonstration. It wasn't a show of strength. It was actually a show of weakness and to you know, rub salt in the wound. Um, what happened is a small group of uh, the um, Ukrainian solidarity uh, campaign along with Peter Tatchell, this is uh, Chris Ford's uh, group with its origins in the Cold War and CIA operations in Eastern Europe, very murky uh, uh, stuff. 
Um, this organization uh, not only held a sort of, um, how should you put it, um, counter demonstration on the sidelines uh, of the demonstration to begin with, it actually put itself at the front um, of the demonstration. And uh, obviously the organizers of uh, CND, uh, the, you know, the joint sponsor uh, of this Stop the War Coalition demonstration, uh, John Rees um, decided obviously not to use force uh, and to get rid of them, uh, but to tolerate them. And in terms of their post-March publicity, just to ignore them. Um, well, anyone who was, you know, in um, Oxford Street or Regent Street, i.e. in central London and saw that demonstration, could not but uh, be struck by uh, the fact that what you had was, from their point of view, at least initially, was a pro-Zelensky, um, um, pro-proxy war demonstration. And I do want to emphasize pro-proxy war uh, because its single slogan, at uh, least that I heard all the way through, was arm, arm, arm Ukraine, which of course is something that NATO, uh, Britain, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Italy uh, have been doing to a very big degree. And of course, the latest that we know of uh, is the promise to deliver 100 uh, top rate uh, tanks. The first, I think, uh, German Leopard tanks uh, have arrived. Uh, American tanks are promised, uh, Challenger 2 tanks are promised, and the next item, of course, on Zelensky's uh, shopping list uh, is advanced uh, fighter uh, aircraft. And uh, yes, uh, what we had uh, from the um, Ukraine Solidarity Campaign, um, and I'm not sure of all the details because what I read uh, both um, on their website and also in the House of Commons uh, website was a motion, an early day motion signed by, I've got the list here in my article, signed by a list of uh, disgraceful Labour MPs. So that's um, Clive Lewis, who's on the right wing um, of the um, Socialist Campaign Group. I think they've got their own little group now called New Left or something like that. But what we also have is Dawn Butler, Mick Whitley, David Wayne, Rachel Maskell, Sir Stephen Timms, these are all Labour MPs, and uh, John McDonnell. Uh, but by your friends, you shall know them. This was a joint motion uh, with the SNP and the uh, Ukraine Solidarity campaign was boasting that it was cross-party, but it wasn't just SNP MPs and Labour uh, MPs who signed it. So did uh, Jim Shannon um, of the Democratic uh, Unionist Party. Quite frankly, if you read uh, the early day motion, it could have been a Tory motion. It could have been a DUP motion. Uh, it could have been a Liberal Democrat motion because all it did is list uh, various uh, uh, bits of military kit, uh, like a hundred Challenger 2s um, and Skimeter, I think they're armoured cars and other such uh, uh, stuff uh, that ought to be delivered, calling upon Rishi Sunak to deliver this stuff uh, to Ukraine as soon as possible. And as I understand it, I haven't read it, 
uh, directly, but as I understand it, there's um, a similar um, letter to the Morning Star, uh, which is also signed by people in the GMB, um, TSSA, the NUM, it still does exist, <laughs> it exists more as an office uh, than a living union, but either way, uh, this also adds in uh, to the list of military equipment, tornado uh, fighter aircraft or fighter, fighter aircraft, yeah. Uh, these, again, I'm not quite sure of my generation, but I think these are what would be called fourth generation uh, fighter aircraft, i.e. Uh, these are now being replaced um, by the latest manufactured stuff, um, both in Britain and the United States, there'll be some sort of joint deal. F-35s, these massively expensive vertical takeoff, stealth, they can do everything, but you don't want one shot down because they are worth not just call million or two or three, just carry on. Uh, you'd have to be an extremely rich individual uh, to own an F-35. Either way, um, what we had is nothing about peace. I mean, I'm not advocating um, anything, nothing about uh, China's 12 point plan, nothing about negotiations. It was simply an arm, arm, arm Ukraine uh, um, early day uh, motion. And I think that gives away uh, the politics of uh, those that signed it. And of course, what is most disgraceful, of course, is um, John McDonnell and uh, other members of the socialist campaign group. And I think you can call these people social uh, imperialists. I wouldn't just bother calling, uh, you know, Sakir a social imperialist, because where's the social? Where's the socialism? Remember, social comes from social democrat, and we're not talking about modern social democrats we're talking about the sort of social democrats as in the social democratic uh, labor party of russia we're talking about bolsheviks we're talking about german sdp before world war one so social imperialist yes uh, john mcdonnell is uh keir starmer to me is just a bourgeois politician through and through simple uh, uh, as as that and someone was actually saying to me yesterday that these people, i.e. John McDonnell and his uh, crew, you know, the pro-imperialist, the social imperialist wing of um, the socialist campaign group, they're worse uh, than Henry Hyman, uh, the leader of the Social Democratic Federation uh, in Britain, a jingo uh, socialist. And I, my, my reply was, well, actually, no, um, they're worse uh, because these people are just advocating war. Uh, they're not even advocate, there's not even a tinge of, um, you know, social pacifism uh, about them. They are warmongers, uh, no different, uh, in essence, from Boris Johnson, uh, Rishi Sunak, um, Joe Biden, um, and all the rest of the um, top uh, capitalist uh, politicians. Okay. Moving on. Uh, well, as I um, prepared uh, to uh, come on and uh, deliver this political report, I'm sure you've seen the same reports as I have. Uh, apparently, uh, the United Kingdom stands on the edge, on the verge of uh, clinching some deal uh, with the EU um, over Northern Ireland. Uh, to me, it was always a, well, this is a really strange deal. Boris Johnson was saying there won't be a border 
you know, between uh, Great Britain and Northern Ireland. At the same time, he was saying that uh, we're going to stick uh, to the Good Friday Agreement and have frictionless trade north and south. I know that the north, I know, uh, the so-called south goes further north than the north. Northern Ireland, the, the statelet of Northern Ireland, the six counties. Uh, but yeah, so um, how do you square that? Uh, I don't know. I wait to see the details. Uh, and that's exactly, um, you know, that will be exactly the case uh, with the DUP, Democratic Unionist Party, and, uh, of course, what could be called the Johnsonite wing um, of the Tory party and uh, what has been called in the uh, press uh, the Trussite. Uh, wing. What the difference between these people um, is, is beyond me, I don't know. Uh, but these people uh, are um, looked at as potential rebels um, against this deal. Uh, again, what exactly the politics are, I don't know. Will Rishi Sunak be prepared to push this deal through, uh, for example, uh, in spite of DUP uh, objections? I don't know. Uh, will the DUP agree to it? I don't know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One would expect that if the DUP doesn't agree to it, uh, then there's a chance precisely of a uh, Boris Johnson, uh, Liz Truss rebellion around uh, the whole sort of totem of uh, the unity of the United Kingdom and uh, how uh, Northern Ireland must be part um, and seem to be part of the UK. That would be uh, the expectation but we have to wait and see uh, what the details are and then we have to see how the politics uh, actually uh, uh, pan pan out um, okay uh, we also have of course in relationship um, to bon Boris Johnson's deal uh, is of course we have tensions between the EU and uh, Great Britain i.e the UK uh, that's not something that the United States wants uh, at the present time in the midst of a proxy war uh, with Russia. Um, so we've got, you know, Joe Biden uh, potentially, you know, uh, brandishing his Irish origins and his concern to keep the Good Friday uh, agreement and peace on the island of Ireland. Uh, so there's a lot of politics uh, that uh, uh, is involved and we just don't know uh, until we see uh, the details. Okay. Um, I think it's worthwhile uh, commenting on Scotland uh, because what we've had is um, three uh, candidates um, get through, um, getting their, um, what was it, 100 members in at least 20 branches. That was the requirement to. Um, uh, get on the ballot and we've got three candidates Hamza Youssef, uh, Ash Regan and was the front runner uh, and that is um, where is she Kate Forbes how could I forget Kate Forbes and of course what's interesting uh, about this is that anyone who thought that uh, you know um, once Nicola Sturgeon resigned and, um, you know, was it over uh, the gender recognition bill? Was it over the Supreme Court judgment? Was it exhaustion? 
um, who the hell knows, was it because um, her um, idea of using the next general election as a de facto um, referendum is not really one that looks like it's going to work, at least to this guy sitting here in London. I don't see how it can work. Normally, remember, yeah, the SNP gets a huge majority when it comes to Westminster elections, um, um, you know, in terms of sending MPs down uh, from Scotland. Uh, but it doesn't get an enormous majority when it comes to Hollywood elections because Hollywood uh, elections involve PR and Westminster elections invo involve first past the post. So if you're looking at a referendum, um, you have to at least say, well, we got 51% and they didn't get 51% last time. The, the, the government in Hollywood, the government in Edinburgh is a coalition government uh, with the Greens, right? So with the rise of um, Sakir and uh, the Labour Party, uh, not only in opinion polls um, in England and Wales, but also in Scotland, the chances are uh, that um, Nicola wouldn't have got her uh, 51%, uh, let alone a 55 or anything of that sort of majority. Quite the opposite, um, you know, the chances are that it would actually be viewed as is doing badly in the next general election. It will be losing seats in the next uh, general election. And that includes a first-past-the-post uh, system. Anyway, uh, the long and the short of it, yes, is we've got three candidates. And of course, what's raging around them is what is called um, euphemistically culture uh, wars. Um, I mentioned um, last week that in terms of um, uh, Kate uh, Forbes, uh, she's a member of the um, We Freeze, the Free um, Presbyterian uh, Church uh, in Scotland. And uh, these are people that uh, quite rightly don't view Christmas as um, anything to do with Christianity. But also they have um, strict rules um, on not having children outside marriage, naughty, 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 you know, gay marriage, naughty, 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 let alone uh, the gender recognition bill. Now it's true uh, that she was on uh, maternity leave when that vote happened, uh, but her, her record is quite open, quite public, and uh, when she was asked, uh, she didn't tell a lie, just like Abraham Lincoln, she told the truth. Uh, no, if I'd been in Hollywood, I wouldn't have voted for it. And I wouldn't have voted uh, for same-sex marriage either. Now, from my angle, um, I would just say that, look, there's a big difference between what I would view, what I would do as an individual, and what I would vote in terms of um, legislation. But I'm not trying to write her speech. I'm not trying to um, give her political advice. Uh, but what's happened as a result of that, of course, is a number of um, SNP politicians have withdrawn support uh, from her. The one, Maria Black, she's the vice or deputy leader of the SNP MPs in Westminster. And she says, well, um, if uh, Kate Forbes has anything to do with it, uh, I wouldn't be allowed to marry my wife um, and I'm not going to support her uh, anymore. Uh, and we've had a number of statements like that. And it's interesting 
that this doesn't just include, um, how should you put it, the usual um, um, suspects. We, we also have the reverse going on. Um, so interestingly, uh, we've had a, a situation of where mosques up in Scotland, I'm not sure whether this is um, an individual mosque or whether it's the sort of mosques, mosques united, uh, I just don't know, but I've certainly seen statements uh, from um, the relig religious authorities, uh, of Muslim religious authorities in Scotland, saying that we will back her uh, because of her stance on gay marriage and gender, rec rec gender recognition act, but we won't back uh, our fellow Muslim Hamza Youssef, he's the um, health secretary uh, up in Scotland. And again, it's been revealed uh, that uh, under pressure, uh, this is quite a few years back, um, our Yusuf, although he says he supports gay marriage um, and definitely presents himself as the continuity candidate, uh, you know, with uh, Nicola Sturgeon, um, he actually didn't vote. I think on the last reading uh, of whatever the, the gay marriage bill uh, was called in Scotland and actually went uh, to Alex Salmon, then leader of the SNP and first minister, minister, and said, well, look, I really am under pressure uh, from the mosque. Is it okay I dip out of this one and give my excuses? And Alex said, apparently, this is the story. Yes, that's okay, Yo Yo Yosef, um, go ahead. Um, so it's interesting, isn't it, uh, that uh, we have uh, the mosque backing, not the Muslim, I'm not saying he's a Muslim candidate, uh, but you know what I mean, the candidate who happens to be a Muslim and is instead backing a um, free, pre free Presbyterian, um, someone who happens to be a free a pres Presbyterian, but precisely on the basis of these so-called culture wars, i.e. gay marriage and um, the gender recognition uh, bill. I'm not quite sure of Ash Regan's uh, position, except to say that she's saying we shouldn't um, dwell on what she describes as petty uh, disputes. So I don't know, don't know whether that she means the same thing that Alex Salmon uh, uh, commented on the uh, gender recognition bill, that this is a, um, a trap uh, and we shouldn't go down it. And this diverts uh, from the unity that we need, not only in the SNP, but in Scotland, uh, if we're going to achieve um, um, independence. Um, as I say, I, I, I don't know um, on, on that one. Um, either way, um, what is clear um, is that um, these so-called culture wars continue, and if anything, um, have intensified uh, over the question of um, the replacement uh, to um, Nicola uh, uh, Sturgeon. Okay. Done that. I think I've done that. Yeah, and I think that will actually um, uh, do it. Where are we at? Um, yeah, there we are. A nice um, brief, uh, at least for me, uh, political report this week. Thanks, Ollie.